Uh, Genesis chapter 3. We're going to uh, continue looking at this study on the heavenly manhood of Christ. Uh, glorious study, uh, really, whenever you start looking at it uh, and seeing the promise that God has made as we read last week. Uh, God has made a promise not only in the Old Testament but also in the New Testament uh, that uh, he would be with us. Matter of fact, we... Uh, uh, we looked in, uh, uh, see it was in, uh, back here, lost track of We found in uh, Exodus chapter And I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will be their God. And then we found the same promise from God in Revelation, verse 21, or chapter 21. Revelation 21 and verse 3. I know a lot of people will claim, well, that's a future verse. It's not a. Yet God has made this promise through all time. He said it at the beginning in Exodus. He said it at the end in Revelation. Revelation 21 and verse 3, he says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with, God himself shall be with them and be their God. And so we see that uh, God has promised his presence uh, with his people. And in the Old Testament, we see that Jesus was uh, present with the Old Testament saints, uh, not only just indwelling them, but he was physically there with them at different times. And, uh, of course, in the New Testament, Christ came and uh, he uh, he lived uh, for uh, uh, the time that he was here and died and then ascended back to the Father uh, after his work of redemption was done. Uh, and then he has promised to come again to us. But um, we've been looking here at this uh, beautiful picture of Christ and his uh, heavenly manhood. And whenever I talk about heavenly manhood, I'm meaning that um, God who is invisible, uh, that triune Godhead, uh, that indwelt the man Jesus Christ, uh, that that, that that manhood has existed before the foundation of the world and was present throughout all the Old Testament and then once again was brought and made manifest through the Virgin Mary, was born of Mary and came and became our Redeemer and our surety. Uh, of course he was already our Redeemer, our surety as far as uh, uh, eternity all the way through eternity past. But what we've been looking at is just the fact that the Bible does teach that Jesus had this manhood uh, before he was born of the Virgin Mary, that uh, uh, we truly believe that he is all God, he is all man. We truly believe that he was born of a virgin. Uh, we just don't believe that that manhood, uh, as far as the scriptures tell us, if we just hold to the scripture. Now, if we go out and start listening to theologians and confessions and creeds and, and commentaries and things like that. We're going to be filled with the traditions of men. But if we look at the scriptures and just let the scriptures simply speak 
about these things, we find that uh, that uh, uh, Christ was manifested in the flesh before he was born of the Virgin Mary. Uh, now, he was given a body that could die. He was prepared a body by God and given that body, and that body was definitely uh, put into uh, Mary, and he was born of Mary, and he grew in stature in that body, and that body eventually was the body that he went to the cross with, and that he truly died. He didn't just swoon. He died. Uh, and that body was then re- resurrected and uh, was uh, brought back to life. And so uh, we believe that there was a true body uh, inhabited by God that dwelt with men. And it wasn't just in the Old Testament, but I mean, just in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament. And that's kind of what uh, I wanted to look at today is uh, is this uh, uh, Christ in the Old Testament. Was Jesus in the Old Testament? Well, let's think about a few things that we've already looked at. We've already looked at and we've seen that God is invisible. He's a spirit. He can't be seen, right? God can't be seen. Matter of fact, the Bible says no man has seen God at any time. But we have learned that the Bible speaks that we have seen God in the face of Jesus Christ. That God has manifested himself or has shown himself, revealed himself in flesh through the man Jesus Christ, his son, Jesus Christ. Okay, so that triune Godhead, that inhabited Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus makes that God fully known. He is the image of the invisible God. Okay, an image is something you see, right? Something that you see is an image. If it's invisible, you don't see it. But if it's an image, you can see it, right? And Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the face of the invisible God. Whenever you have seen Jesus, you have seen God manifested in the flesh. If you've seen Jesus, you have seen God Almighty, but He's in the flesh. Okay? So Jesus, anytime we see or talk about God being seen throughout Scripture, it's in Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. Now, with that being said, and us learning that uh, Jesus has all the fullness of that Godhead, Father, Word, Holy Spirit, living in Him, indwelling Him, okay, that, that one God, Godhead, is in Christ Jesus, and Jesus is manifesting that God. Well, let's see throughout Scripture how God has kept that promise that I will be with them, I will dwell with them, and I will be their God. So in Genesis chapter 3, look with me if you would, uh, and I'm going to start reading in verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. 
For God doth know that in the day that thou eatest thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and he shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. Now look here in verse 8. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Okay, a voice doesn't walk. Okay. A voice is something that's heard. It's invisible, but it's heard. But they heard the voice of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Okay, so here we see that God not only was speaking in a voice like out of heaven, you know, saying, you know, what have you done? But God was actually walking in the garden and they hid from his presence, meaning they hid from him being able to see them. Okay, he was coming, walking through the garden and they hid so he couldn't see them. At least so they thought he couldn't see them. Okay, well who was that that walked in the garden? Who was that 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 they heard? Who is it that they seen? Well, it was Jesus Christ because Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is also the Word of God. If you hear the voice of God, you're hearing Jesus because he is the Word of God. Okay? Now, look down at verse 21. It says, or actually, let's go back in uh, verse 19. It says, in the sweat of thy face, this is where God now is is going to curse the land and curse uh, man. It says, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Here it is, verse 21. Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothed them. Okay, so here we see that God made skins for them, made skin clothing, but it said that God clothed them. God put it on, clothed them. Okay, well who did that? Okay, it was the one who was walking in the garden, whose voice that they heard, that they were hiding from the presence. That man who was walking in the garden is the one who came and skinned those skins from whatever animal it was that he killed and made them aprons and put them things on them and clothed them. It was God walking amongst them. And who is the image of the invisible God? Because we can't see God. And Adam saw God. So he saw who? Jesus. Right? Turn with me if you would to Genesis chapter 6. We'll start 
reading in verse 1. It says, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Now pay close attention here. Remember, I tell you guys whenever you're reading the Bible, that every word counts. Right? Uh, God doesn't just put in filler stuff here. It says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Who's God talking about whenever he said, He also is flesh? He's talking about mankind. Okay? The Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, and that word man there means mankind. It doesn't just mean one particular man. It means mankind. Okay, my spirit will not always strive with mankind, sinful mankind. But it says, for that he also is flesh. Who is God comparing mankind who is flesh with? Well, who, who else has got flesh that is of man? It would be him. He also, he says, for he also is flesh. But look what he says. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. So you got to put a time frame on man's flesh. Okay? Got to put a time period on man's flesh. But his flesh doesn't have a time period on it. Okay? So here we see another reference that God also was flesh here in the Old Testament. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 18. I know some people will say, man, you're just kind of stretching things on that. I'm just taking a simple reading. What does it mean that he also was flesh? Okay? What does it mean whenever he was walking in the garden? His voice was being heard. He had presence that they could see his presence walking and talking and cutting skins off of an animal and clothing them. That is a man doing that. And we know that the only man that is a mediator between God and man, the only man that is a visible image of who God is, is Jesus Christ. All right, in uh, Genesis chapter 18, starting in verse 1, it says, And the Lord appeared. Now, another thing I haven't really brought up, look at the word Lord there. You notice that the word Lord there is all capitals? L-O-R-D, and I've taught you guys this before, and I ho hopefully you've remembered this. In your King James Bible, this is one of the good things about King James Bible, and the King James uh, language, actually, is whenever the translators translated these things, uh, some, the e, uh, whenever you see like uh, uh, the, uh, uh, some of the way that the, some of the words end, you know, the thou's and the these and the uh, and all that kind of stuff. Those actually are preserving the uh, the Greek grammar, where our English language doesn't convey that. The old English language that this was written in actually was able to convey and to preserve the vowels. I mean, the not the vowels, the grammar uh, of the uh, uh, whether or not it was a va a vowel or a noun or whether it was plural or whether it was. Uh, whether it was singular, 
And so here's one of the things also that we see. Every time you see the word Lord all in capitals, behind that word is the Hebrew word Yahweh or Jehovah. Okay, It speaks of God in his divine nature, God who, that invisible God that we cannot see, that's, that's eternal, that has never come into existence, who has always been. It's talking about God. And we see here that God, that visible, invisible God, that is, uh, that is triune, that God appeared unto him this is Abraham, appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre. So Jehovah appeared, and so Jehovah is given to the name of Christ. If you remember one time I told you that there was Jehovah's Witness that came to our door a few years back and uh, wanted to talk to me, and I usually just kind of ignore them and let them go their way and everything, but this time I just kind of decided I was going to engage them and talk, and I just happened to have them. My Bible was sitting up there on the banister. And uh, so anyway, I began to engage this elderly man. And it was also, he had with him a young woman who was uh, kind of a trainee, Jehovah's Witness trainee. But anyway, they came and, of course, he started to engage wanted to give me literature. I told him, I said, I, I won't accept your literature. And he asked me why. I said, because you preach a false gospel and you're preaching a false Jesus. And uh, he asked me, to, you know, why do you say that? And I said, well, because, you know, you you preach. The, and I started telling him all those things that, that we disagree with. And he, he handed me his Bible. And he said, well, can you show me in this Bible where Jesus ever claimed to be God? And so I took his Bible, which it was the New World Translation. And it's a messed up translation. It's not a, a, a real Bible. It's... They've taken it and twisted it to fit their uh, fit their doctrine. However, I did take him into his Bible and show him a few things. But then I got my Bible and picked it up and I started going. And I started places like this, saying, "Who is this? Who is this? That was Jesus. That was Jesus." Okay, well, it says right here that his name is Yahweh. He's equated to Yahweh. Well, anyway, I started going through the Old Testament, showing where Jesus was identified as God, as Jehovah, and then in the New Testament, where Jesus claimed to be God, and how the how the religious leaders, they thought that what Jesus was saying was, he was saying that he was God. So Jesus did claim to be God, which Jehovah's Witness said Jesus never did claim to be God. Okay? And so anyway, as I began to go more verses, more verses, more verses, showing Jesus to be the one true God, I mean, this man, his, he began to shake violently, just was sitting there shaking. And this woman next to her, like, she was freaking out because he was all acting weird, shaking and everything. And, of course, it ended up, he said, well, we'll just have to agree to disagree. And I said, well, I don't agree with you for anything. And he wanted to shake my hand and he said, well, God bless you and wanted to shake my hand. I said, I can't even shake your hand because the Bible says that you come with another gospel, you come with a false Christ, and the Bible says that we're not even to wish you Godspeed. And so he turned around and left, and I told the woman that was with him, I said, man, if I was you, I would get as far away from this stuff as you can get, that it's a false gospel with a false Jesus. 
And there's no hope in that. So this is one of the reasons why we talk about these things. It's because there are false teachers out there. There are false gospels out there who claim that Jesus is not Jehovah, that he's something different, okay? He's a created being that is not divine, that he's not God. He's just a man, okay? There was a whole, whole, you know, argument about this back, you know, many, many years ago, you know, in the 300s. Uh, there was an argument about this among, you know, uh, mostly the false Catholic churches, but, you know, there was a, a, a group of people that believed that Jesus wasn't divine, that he was just a man, okay? And so the Jehovah's Witnesses, they, they believe that Jesus isn't Jehovah, okay? And so we look and we see here, and the Lord, that word behind that is Jehovah, appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, and he lifted up and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him, and when he saw them he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself towards the ground, and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee from thy servant. So we see here that uh, the Lord actually appeared in flesh to Abraham in the plains of Mamre, uh, or Mamre, however you say that, uh, appeared to him. And so again, if God appears, the only one who, can, who appears in God's image is Jesus Christ. So it was Jesus who met with Abraham. Now, um, These next verses that we're going to look at, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Because I want, I want to prefer, preference this before we start reading this, because I'm sure somebody's going to think I'm just trying to be silly or something, but I'm not. I really do take this seriously, and I do think it's something that can be of edification to the people of God to know and to be comforted by uh, at least that's my hope. In Hebrews chapter 11, look with me, if you would, starting in verse 24. And this is something actually this week that I come across this verse, and uh, I went ahead and wrote it in to the notes that I'd already prepared on this study a couple weeks ago, uh, into my verse list here. <laughs> But I added this in because I hadn't, at least I didn't remember, I'm sure I've read this because I've read through Hebrews many times, but uh, it just, the Lord brought this to my mind. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God and to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Okay, so Moses by faith, okay, God give Moses faith, and he refused to be called Pharaoh's son. He chose to suffer with his people instead of enjoying the sins for a season, it says there. But look at verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. 
Wait a minute, I thought Christ didn't come until Bethlehem. I thought in the Old Testament, they didn't know about Christ, they just knew types and foreshadows. But it says right here in Hebrews that Moses, esteeming the reproach of Christ, he says, I would rather suffer for the name of Christ than to enjoy the riches of Egypt and despise Christ. That's what that's what Moses did, did by faith before Christ ever supposedly came by Mary, right? So he says, esteeming the uh, the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. And then in verse twenty seven, look here. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured, look at it, read it with me, as seeing him who is invisible. How was it that that Moses endured all the hardships in Egypt to continue faithfully esteeming the reproach of Christ better than the treasures of Egypt? How did Moses do that? Because he had seen him who is invisible. You don't see something that's invisible, right? You see something that's visible. But something that is invisible, that becomes visible, by indwelling a body, now you see that which is invisible. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. God promised to be with him. He says right here that it was Christ. He would rather uh, uh, feel the reproach of Christ, meaning I, I'm, I'm being persecuted because of Christ's sake, okay, than to have all these riches. So it, he was doing this in 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 uh, worship and in and in honor and in and in um, uh, uh, what's the word that I'm trying to think of in. Uh, uh, The word has left my mind. In in uh, uh, loyalty to Christ. That's the word I was trying to think of. In loyalty to Christ Jesus. But how does he know that? Well, because he saw him who is invisible. He saw Christ Jesus. You say, well, where, where did Moses ever see Christ Jesus? Well, let's look back in Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. Now, now I could go to the burning bush and talk about Christ being in the burning bush, but I'm mainly talking about Christ appearing as a man. Okay, In the burning bush, we heard God's voice. He appeared as a burning bush, okay? But I'm talking about as he appeared as a man in his manhood. But look with me, if you would, Exodus chapter 13. Did I say 14? 13. I meant 13. Did I say 13? Exodus chapter 13. And look with me, if you would. I want to start reading here at... uh, Verse 19, it says, And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn 
the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Succoth, and encamped in Etham, in the edge of the wilderness. Now look at here in verse 21. And the Lord, and there it is again, all in capitals, Jehovah, went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now, everyone says, well, that's that's a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire. How's that God, being, Christ being man, or what does that have to do with Christ's manhood? Well, look closely if you would there. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud. In a pillar of fire, not as a pillar of fire, or as a pillar of cloud, but in it. He was actually in the pillar of cloud. He was in the pillar of fire. He was actually in there. It was his presence that was there with them, leading them, coming behind them. He was there uh, uh, giving the pillar of cloud by day, by the pillar of fire by night, it was Christ in the pillar. You say, well, do you have any other evidence that might lead that? Because that just might be semantics that you're talking about. Well, look with me at Exodus chapter 14. Verse 24, And it came to pass that in the morning watch the Lord, Jehovah, looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians. So here we see that Christ was looking through the pillar of fire, through the pillar of cloud, and what was he doing? He was looking and watching the host of the Egyptians. He was watching them as he was in the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. Drop down to verse 20, uh, or excuse me, uh, verse 19. I should have read that first. It says, And the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. Okay, so he went from before them, went behind them. And here in verse 24, we've seen that through the pillar, or through the cloud, he was keeping a watch over the Egyptians. Look with me, if you would, Exodus chapter 33. Starting in verse 9. It says, And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. There's that word Lord again, all in capitals. Talked with Moses. The Lord talked with Moses. Stood in the doorway. Verse 10, And all the people 
saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent. And the Lord, there's all capitals again, Yahweh, spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in thy sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me how thy way, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by, and I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. So here we see God in flesh. And he said, I'm going to put you here, and I'm going to walk by, and I'm going to put my hands in front of your face so you can't see anything. And I'll let you see the back side, but you can't see the front side. Because if you look at my face, you're not going to live. Okay, so obviously we see that this this manhood, this body that Christ had, was a glorious body. Okay, it was a very glorious body, but yet it was a body nonetheless. It was one that came down and stood, and the people saw him standing in the door. And the people bowed down and worshipped. And they said that he talked to Moses face to face. As a friend. Okay? So anybody that does that has to be Christ because Christ is the image of the invisible God. Look with me, if you would, at Numbers chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. See, a lot of times we wonder, you know, how those Old Testament saints, you know, how the Lord gave them faith to believe in the Messiah that they've never known or heard of or what was going to happen in the future. 
all they had was types and foreshadows. Well, those types and foreshadows were there, but yet we see that they experienced Christ in the Old Testament and that they seen Him. They knew Him. They knew that their Messiah would come. Okay? To them, because God had given them faith to believe that and that He would be their righteousness. As Abraham believed. As we've seen in Hebrews 11, all those people by faith did those things and that faith was the faith of Christ that was given unto them by Christ. In Numbers chapter 12 and verse 5, it says, And the Lord came down in, in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forth. So here again we've seen the Lord came down again in a pillar of a cloud to talk to who? To Aaron and Miriam. Look at Numbers 14. Chapter 14 and verse 14. Start in verse 13. And Moses said unto the Lord, Then the Egyptians shall hear it, for thou broughtest up thy, this people in thy might from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land, for they have heard that the Lord art among this people, that thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and that thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by daytime in a pillar of a cloud and in a pillar of fire by night. So here we see Moses declaring that this truly is the Lord among the people, and he's among the people, and they are seeing him face to face in this cloud and in this pillar. He is, they are seeing him as a man in this, and God is going before them. He brought them up just as he promised. I will be your God, and I will be with you, and I will, you know, I will lead you out of all this, as we just read. Look with me if you would at Deuteronomy chapter 31. Verse 15. Deuteronomy 31, 15. It says, And the Lord appeared in the tabernacle in a pillar of, cloud, of a cloud, and the pillar of the cloud stood over the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and this people will rise up and go whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land, whither they go to be among them, and will forsake me and break my covenant which I made uh, with them. Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, are not these evils come upon us because our God is not among us? Okay? So here we see that, once again, God came down as a man in the pillar of cloud and was seen as a man uh, speaking to the people. Now, let's uh, move out of uh, this with Moses and go into uh, the book of Judges. Go into the book of Judges. Chapter 
We're going to talk here a little bit about what happened at the birth of Samson. Everybody know who Samson is? Remember Samson was the guy that had the long hair and uh, had all the strength and kind of fell for a hot chick and cozied up to her a little bit too too much and uh, told her the secret of his strength was his hair. She was a Philistine and he wasn't supposed to be mixing and mingling with the Philistines. God had told them not to be mixing and mingling with the other people of other nations and their other gods and all that stuff. Well, Samson went ahead and did it, fell in love with Delilah. And uh, anyway, one night, laying in bed with Delilah, told her, this is what, where this, my strength comes, because she was trying to find out so they could take it away so that the Philistines, because Samson was kicking their butts. I mean, he took a jawbone of a donkey and killed a bunch of their people. I mean, it, he, he was like strong and, and did all this stuff. Well, anyway, uh, so she was trying to find this out, right? Okay, so let's look at verse one and it says, and the children of the Israel, and the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family uh, of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. So that means she wasn't able to have children and hadn't ever bore him a son. Okay, bore him a child. Verse 3, and it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like the countenance of an angel of God, very terrible. But I asked him not whence he was, neither told he uh, me his name. But he said unto me, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and now drink no more wine, nor strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb of the day of his death. Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O Lord, let the man of God, which thou didst send, come again unto us, and teach us what we shall do unto the child that shall be born. And God hearkened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God came again unto the woman, and she sat in the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And the woman made haste and ran and showed her husband and said unto him, Behold, the man hath appeared unto me. That man came uh, unto me the other day. And Manoah arose and went after his wife and came to the man and said unto him, Art thou the man that spaketh unto the woman? And he said, yes. Now, let's stop right there for just a minute. At this point, people are saying, all right, well, get on with it, preacher. You keep saying Jesus was here, but um, this is this is the angel of the Lord. This is not, this is, 
this is Gabriel or Michael or you know one of these angels that that came came here. Well, let's keep reading, verse twelve. And Manoah said, Now let thy words come to pass. How shall we order the child, and how shall we do it unto him? And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. She may not eat of any of the thing that cometh of the vine, neither let her drink wine, or strong drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I commanded her, let her observe. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, I pray thee, let us detain thee until we shall have made ready a kid for thee. And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Though thou detain me, I will not eat of thy bread, and I will not. And, and if thou wilt offer a burnt offering, thou must offer it unto the Lord, for Manoah not, knew not that he was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, What is thy name, that when thy sayings come to pass, we may do thee honor. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, Why asketh thus uh, after my name, seeing it is secret? So Manoah took a kid with a meat offering and offered it upon a rock unto the Lord. And the angel did wondrously. And the angel did wondrously. And Manoah and his wife looked on. For it came to pass when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar, and Manoah and his wife looked on it and fell on their faces to the ground. But the angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah and to his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord, and Manoah said unto his wife, We shall surely die, because we have seen God. But his wife said unto him, If the Lord were pleased to kill us, he would not have received a burnt offering and a meat offering at our hands, Neither would he have shown us all these things, nor would, uh, as at this time, have told us such these, uh, such things as these. And the woman bare a son, called his name Samson, and the child grew. The Lord blessed him, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtel. Okay, so see here, we see him called the angel of the Lord, and it looks and appears as if it really was an angel of the Lord because he wasn't going to accept this sacrifice or anything. But it said, But it came to pass when the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar, and they fell on the ground. And it said there in verse 21, Then Manoah knew that he was an angel. And the word angel, by the way, does anybody know what the word angel means? Anybody know what that word means? Angel means messenger. So whenever it says the angel of the Lord, it means the messenger of the Lord. Okay? Well, Christ Jesus is also the messenger of the Lord. He is the word of God. Okay? So he is the messenger of the Lord. But we have in plain English here in front of us, verse 21, it reveals to us who that angel or messenger of the Lord actually was. And Manoah said unto his wife, we shall surely die because we have seen God. We've seen God. Well, if they've seen God in the image of a man, because it said all through Judges 13 there that this man kept coming up, this man kept coming up. If they've seen God and they've seen this man, who is the only man? God. Christ. Christ Jesus is the man. 
Look if you would, we're almost done. Look if you would at Ezekiel chapter 43. Ezekiel 43. And brethren, there's probably a lot more verses that I've missed throughout scriptures on these things. I'm always welcome for people to, you know, share those with me. Uh, it's always good to see these things. Ezekiel chapter 43, and let's look at verse 5. I'll tell you what, let's start, I'll go ahead and start reading at uh, verse 1. <clears throat> it says, Afterward, he brought me to the gate, even the gate that looketh toward the east. And behold, the glory of God, behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice was like a noise of many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. And it was according to the appearance of the vision which I saw, even according to the vision that I saw when I came to destroy the city, and the visions were like the vision that I saw by the river Shabar, and I fell upon my face. And the glory of the Lord came into the house by the way of the gate, whose prospect is toward the east. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. And I heard him speaking unto me out of the house, and the man stood by me. And he said unto me, Son of man, the place of my throne and the place of my soles of my feet where I dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. <coughs> and my holy name shall the house of Israel no more defile, neither they nor their kings nor their whoredom nor by their carcasses of the kings in their high places. So here we see that uh, the glory of the Lord was shown to Ezekiel and he saw, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. But it said there that I heard him speaking unto me out of the house, and the man stood by me. Okay? So the man was standing there uh, speaking to Ezekiel out of the house. And this was the uh, glory of God. The glory of the God of Israel who was speaking to him. If you remember... In John, John said, And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father. Okay, so the glory of the begotten of the Father is speaking of his manhood. It's speaking of that, that, uh, that, that, uh, uh, that body that was prepared for him by God for him to inhabit. And he inhabited that body and that was considered a glory. You remember Christ Whenever he came by Mary, he came with a body that would die. And that body that would die, um, he said, he prayed to God. He said, I pray that you, you would, you know, restore to me the glory that I had with you before. Uh, and whenever he was resurrected, he definitely had a different body, didn't he? Uh, he looked different to different people. He was able to go through walls. Uh, he ascended up to the Father, uh, back up to God uh, in that body. So we see that uh, uh, it was different. We see in the Mount of Transfiguration, whenever he revealed himself in that glorious, that glorious body, what was it? It was it was a body like we'd just seen, a shining light, a bright light, like a 
you know, the glory of God that had come down in this. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, in the times whenever God would come down to the tabernacle, whenever they do their sacrifices, they said that God's glory would come down. Now they called it, a lot of people call it the Shekinah. I'm kind of hesitant to call it Shekinah because there's some, there's some, uh, Kabbalistic, uh, ties to that word, uh, from the Babylonian influence. So I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to use that word. It's not a biblical word. It's not found in the Bible anywhere, Shekinah. But whenever God's glory would come down into the tabernacle, it said the glory of God would fill, fill the whole place and everything. And whenever Isaiah saw Christ on the throne, he said it was Christ and his glory filled the temple. Well, it was that exuberant glory that came off of the man that was at the center of that glory, which was Jesus Christ. Same thing here. This glory emanated from this man who stood here in the door that was standing by Ezekiel who was talking from outside, or talking uh, out of the house. Um, matter of fact, let's turn to Daniel. We'll see another illustration of Christ with his people. In Daniel chapter 3, I think everybody kind of knows where we're going with this one. In Daniel chapter 3, Look with me, if you would, down to verse uh, 25. Now remember, this is the story Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew uh, guys that uh, whenever King Nebuchadnezzar made the decree that whenever all the music starts playing that they built this great big idol uh, of Nebuchadnezzar that everyone was supposed to bow down and worship it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whenever they blew those trumpets or whatever, all those instruments that they played, they didn't bow down because they don't bow down to any other god except Jehovah. Well, whenever they did that, the king, even though the king liked these guys, he'd already made the decree that if anybody didn't do that, then they were going to be thrown in this fire. Okay? Well, they were cast into the fire and... They weren't burning up. They didn't die. And the, and they said, make the fire hotter than, than ever. You know, I'm paraphrasing here. But here's where we find ourselves after they've been thrown in the fire. <clears throat> Look at verse 25. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. Now, they threw in three men. But they're saying, we see four guys in there. And they're just walking around. Okay? Now, I don't know what they were thinking to begin with whenever they said, and they were loose. Four men were loose. Well, if they tied them up and throwed them into the fire, you think the fire is going to burn the rope up? I mean, now it's a miracle that they were walking around, but I was kind of surprised that they were surprised that they were loose because you would think that the fire would just burn the rope up anyway. So, anyway, that's just stupid observance of me, I guess. He said, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Okay? The fourth man that was in the fire was the Son of God. Okay? It was Jesus who was in the fire with them there. Now, 
we could easily, while we were in Daniel, we could actually stop and look. In uh, Daniel chapter 6, and in verse 19, if you remember Daniel, he also was a man who was favored by the king, and and the religious men of the days tricked the king in, uh, in trying to trap Daniel. Because Daniel prayed to God every day. And they made the king, you know, make a decree that if anybody prayed to anybody other than the king, then, you know, they were going to be off. Okay? Well, they knew that Daniel would be faithful and pray, and he did, and he was caught, brought before the king, and the king hated having to do it, but he had to do it to save face, and he threw Daniel into a den full of lions. You guys have all heard the story of Daniel in the lion's den, right? We'll look at, this is where he threw Daniel into the lion's den. Uh, verse 16, Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of the lions. Now the king spake unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And the stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the lion, or and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. And the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, for they have not hurt me, for as much as before him innocency was found in me, And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceeding glad for him, and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no manner of hurt was found upon him, because he believed in his God. And the king commanded, and they brought those men which had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, and their wives, and the lions had their mastery over them, and break all their bones into pieces, or ever they came at the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivered and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So here we see again, we see that the angel of the Lord, and I would say, and I, you know, I'm not going to bicker on this one, but I would say that this was also Christ who came down and did this. 
because it speaks of the Lord God doing it. Now, Isaiah chapter 6. I just referenced this just a second ago. Isaiah chapter 6. Verse 1. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, this is Isaiah speaking, In the year that King Uzziah died, I also, or I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. That word Lord there uh, is not in capitals. But it just, so that one means the king, means the ruler. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings, with twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, Holy is the, here's the Jehovah word, Lord is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the doors moved, and the voice of him that cried in the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king... The Lord of hosts. The word king there refers back to the first Lord that he said in smaller case letters. The Lord. The Lord of hosts. Okay, he's the king. He's the Lord of hosts. So he said, so he saw him there. I said, well, yeah, some people will say, yeah, but he saw God the Father is who he was seeing. That was a theophany. Okay, the word theophany, the word Christophany. Those words are just made up words by theologians. You don't find those words in Scripture. Okay? Nobody tells us here that this is a theophany or a Christophany. Okay? It's somebody sitting on that throne. And the Bible says that this person that was sitting on the throne was Jesus Christ. It wasn't just a theophany or a Christophany, just an image of God, it was actually Jesus who was on there. We find that in John chapter 12. We're going to stop with this. John chapter 12. Verse 38. That the saying, that the saying of Isaiah, or Isaiah, the prophet, might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah saith again, He hath blinded their eyes, and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. Verse 41. This is what I want you to draw your attention to. These things said Isaiah, and if you go back to Isaiah 6, you find out that after that, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips passage. After you do that, you're going to see the, this passage that we just read here. 
about God blinding their eyes and hardening their heart. He said, These things said Isaiah when he saw his glory and spake of him. Him who? Jesus. Who's in context here? Jesus. Now, we've seen quite a few examples throughout the Old Testament that Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. That if you have seen Jesus, you have seen God. If you have seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Word. If you've seen Jesus, you have seen the Spirit manifested in the flesh. That Godhead, the three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, these three are one, and they, in all their fullness, indwell Christ Jesus, who is the image of the one true God, who is the God-man. He's not part God, part man. He is fully God. He is fully man. He is all of God in Christ Jesus. And it is Him who we give glory to. It is Him who is our Savior, who is our Redeemer, who is our surety. And when all this is over, it is going to be Him who we worship, who we glorify, who we will see sitting upon the throne for all eternity, and who all of the creation of God that will be present from ages upon ages upon ages will be worshiping. And will be crying. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. They're going to be saying holy, holy, holy. They're going to be crying out because Christ is that holy God. Manifested in the flesh. So anyway, I hope that's been encouragement to you. Hopefully something that you, if you hadn't learned, that the Spirit will teach you that this morning has shared that with you uh, and hopefully the things that I speak are not in error I pray that the Lord has given me to speak truth and not conjecture things that I think of out of my own mind uh, but, uh, I pray that it is the truth so search the Bible and as always I, I encourage you guys let the Bible speak for itself uh, I posted this morning on my Facebook uh, I'm going ahead and I wanted to read that though uh, and everything. I posted a quote by Elder uh, Curry this morning. It says, Our eyes have been so long blinded by tradition that we scarcely see the plainest facts of Bible truth. Our ears have been so completely stuffed with fables from our early youth that we are deaf to the plain declarations of the inspired record and our understanding is so darkened by material affections that it is indeed difficult for us to conceive the most prominent principles of the doctrine of Christ. May the God of all grace enlighten our eyes, unstop our ears, and open our understanding this morning that we may hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And as Brother Royce used to always say, one of the biggest things that is a detriment to our learning is what we already know. One of the biggest hindrances to our learning is what we already know. Those traditions of men, those theologians of old that people have put up on pedestals and, and their words being 
co-equal in some degree. They may, they'll never say it is, but the way that they they uh, go frothing at the mouth whenever you ever contradict one of their uh, beloved theologians, whenever we put those things above the Word of God and say, it can't mean that because this guy says this, or this church history says this, or whatever, God's Word is our final authority. And sometimes, like this thing says, just plainly taking it as it says. Uh, and so a lot of times we kind of become disagreeable with each other and we become hateful towards each other. We don't. We definitely are not long-suffering in meekness towards each other. We're just quick to argue. We're quick to point fingers. We're, we, we think we've already got to figure it out. And I'm just as guilty as anybody else. And so... I pray that what I just read, that quote by Elder Curry, I pray that that's our, pray that that's our true heart. I pray that we come to these issues like we've been talking about for the last three weeks. I pray that we come to these things. And there's a lot more to it. And I don't know it all. I know that. I don't know it all. Matter of fact, the Bible says, you know, um, who can find out God by searching? Or who can by searching find out God? Okay? He's, it's, it's just, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. You know, we're, we're finite. He's infinite. And so to get to the understanding of this, it's a mystery. Paul said, great is the mystery of godliness that God was manifested in the flesh. It's a mystery that we have not been fully revealed. God has revealed some things. The things that God has revealed, they belong to us, his children. But the things he hasn't, we don't know. And it's still a mystery for us. One day, hopefully the Lord will reveal it all to us. Uh, but as it is right now, it's a mystery and we shouldn't belittle our brothers and sisters in Christ who may not see the same things in the mystery. <laughs> and we may have our, our, our positions and our thoughts about it and we pray that they're of the truth and if they are, if it is of the truth, it'll stand. It'll stand scrutiny. But if it's not of the truth, it won't stand scrutiny. And so, anyway. Anybody got any questions? Comments? Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your presence with your people. Whether it be as Emmanuel, God with us, in the flesh, or whether it be by your Spirit, which indwells us as the Comforter, we thank you that you have desired, that you have purposed, that you have uh, planned to be tabernacled with your people. Lord, we thank you that sinners can be in the presence of God. We thank you that you have made a body, that you have prepared it to indwell so that we might see the invisible God. And Lord, we look forward to the day that our eyes shall behold you. We look forward to the day that finally the faith that you had given us to look towards you, to look upon you, to trust in you, 
for all of our salvation will finally end whenever we see you face to face. And that we will see you and know you and be with you. That you will take away this flesh that's full of sin. That you will give us a body that is without sin. That is eternal. A body that will be able to glorify you for ages and ages. Father, what a beautiful thing that we have seen that you have been with your people throughout the ages. That you have shown yourself to your people. That you have guided them. That you have directed them. That you have protected them. That you have saved them from peril. That you have saved them from the sword. That you have delivered them through armies. That you have brought to them children that they may never would have had. Lord, that you have done the impossible because you are God and all things are possible if it be your will. Lord, we know that through Christ Jesus you have made yourself known and we see God in, in, in his face. And so we thank you today for Jesus Christ. We thank you that we have uh, a God that is that has condescended into flesh and has shown us who He is. But more importantly, we thank You for not only taking upon that flesh to show us who You are, but loving us and coming in that flesh to become a broken body and shed blood for our sins' remissions, to take on our penalty to be our substitute in life and in death. Father, we are so grateful for all that you have done for us. And we just look forward to the day of your return. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. <laughs>